Like if you come to me and you're like, Amy Kay, you're always late to these meetings. You know, this is really annoying. I can look at you and I can say, you know what? It annoys me too. Will you help me? Can you help me to be on time? Mm -hmm. And then they shift from being upset to being a problem solver with you. Welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn, and I am honored to be your host. Our mission here on the Impact Entrepreneur Show is not just to inspire you, but also to help you tap into and begin to believe in your God-given potential and purpose. That's right, baby. We want you to not only be inspired, but experience breakthrough. And we do that on this podcast by interviewing incredible people who are using their experiences, their skill set, their platforms to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others. And here's the thing. None of these folks are simply sitting back, living a life of leisure. They have things to do, places to go, and lives to impact. Speaking of that... Welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. Today is Monday, April 22nd, which means we are exactly one week. That is seven days away from the release, the launch, the debut of my first book, Master the Key, a story to free your potential, find meaning, and live life on purpose. So before we get into our first guest, the mashup from our first guest, Amy K. Hutchins, I want you to hit pause and text the word key to 831-607-1818. Again, key to 831-607-1818. And as you know, we are celebrating and have been celebrating all month by highlighting some of the people who have influenced this book. And this week, we continue that trend with two of the most powerful, incredible women leaders that I've had the pleasure of getting to know. The first leader we are joined with This week is the incredible, the brilliant Amy K. Hutchins. She is a multiple-time guest on the Impact Entrepreneur Show and has become a great friend and member of my tribe and community, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing her crush it big time in 2019. But here is what she had to say about the book. True leaders clear a path for a better future, and Mike artfully shares with readers exactly how to do so. He brilliantly simplifies the complexities of choosing to own our story and defining our own worth by handing us the master key to unlock our best self. Thank you, Mike, for all the brilliant questions and for a very good reason to enter our own caves and sip some fine wine. That is from the one and the only Amy K. Hutchins, an award-winning international speaker, author, and business strategist. And now here is one of the part of an episode that Amy K. and I did as when she was a guest, one of the two appearances that she made on the Impact Entrepreneur Show. So bust out your pens and paper, take some notes, and brace for impact. People can come in, whether it's us or others, and and want something and and try to lay an ultimatum out there or a demand. And all of a sudden now you're gonna be in two, you're gonna have two or more people competing for a power position, or you can find a way back toward connection. And I think that that is a tremendous opportunity that is really missed out. Who are some of the other when you look out at the the world today, whether it's a um, 
an educator, a, a corporate person, an entrepreneur? Who are some of the 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 best communicators that stand out to you that are kind oh. of doing this? Well, I think that the people that I love the most in terms of who like trains and teaches this type of stuff yeah. all comes from the world of psychology. Mm-hmm. And so I love Gottman. I love Hendricks. I, I love Daniel uh, Goleman for emotional intelligence. Um, Jaworski for synchronicity. I mean, these, these are all, all leaders in the field of relationships and how human behavior comes to play. Sometimes just with optimism, sometimes with behavioral cognitive science, a lot of communication, obviously, with Gottman and his work on marriages. In fact, Gottman, here's okay, here's a really cool tip. This is like a full stop awesomeness, and I take no credit for it. But Gottman will often talk about how we, we make bids in relationships. We bid for attention and we bid for connection. And sometimes we miss the bid. Because it's cased in like snarkiness or negativity. So let's say, just for sake of an example, a partner comes to you and they're like, "You always burn the toast. I'm so sick and tired of you burning the toast. Why? Why can you not burn the toast? This is ridiculous. I'm 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 so pissed off about you burning toast every day." Now, what we often do is we start with being defensive. We'll start by saying, "I don't have time. I'm in a hurry. The toaster sucks. It's not my fault." We'll do this fight or flight response. But if you can actually lean toward your partner, what I often say is I, the analogy that I give is if you take the wind out of their sails or you de-stink the poop that they just threw at you, <laughs> you can completely change an outcome and create connection. And so when somebody comes to you and like, you know, you always burn the toast and it's so frustrating, instead of saying, well, the toaster stinks, which is a total deflection and defense mechanism as in it's not my fault, I'm not responsible for this. If you actually hear their bid, their bid is... I don't like the waste, or I don't like the smell, or I think you're irresponsible. There's something else that's going on because it's never about the toast. Mm-hmm. When you lean in, now this is a really important concept. When you lean in and you say, you know what? Burning the toast frustrates me too. Will you help me? Mm-hmm. You have just, it's like, huh? Now, sometimes they have just t- taken the pin out of the next hand grenade that they were going to throw at you. And so you might get another snarky comment because they got to get rid of the hand grenade that's about to blow up. Mm-hmm. So you might get one more snarky response. Mm-hmm. But what's fascinating is, is that you've already shifted where this battle is going. Because as soon as I say to you, you know, Mike, it frustrates me too. Will you help me? Or it annoys me too. Or it upsets me too. Will you help me? The person's like, oh, we've just created space for a better future that we can co-create together. Mm-hmm. We've just made space for possibility. Mm-hmm. And so I love that technique. And you can do it at work too. Like if you come to me and you're like, Amy Kay, you're always late to these meetings. You know, this is really annoying. I can look at you and I can say, you know what? It annoys me too. Mm-hmm. Will you help me? Can you help me to be on time? Mm-hmm. And then they shift from being upset to being a problem solver with you. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think about the fact that many people don't have a a designed framework for how to it, it, how to manage um, adversity or challenges in relationships, and so that's where things blow up and combust. Versus, if you if you walk into a any sort of corporation, whether you own it or you're the or an employee there, and 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 there's some sort of a disagreement, there is definitely in a handbook somewhere how to work with a dissatisfied 
customer. There's a design, a workflow around that, a framework, whatever you want to call it. And most relationships don't have one, even within an organization, whether it's a marriage, a relationship, or an employee boss thing. There, there oftentimes isn't a framework. It's there's one for their customers, right. but not one for the people that deliver the goods to the customers. And so I think that that is such an important lesson to to pay attention to what is behind the words. You know, what what's the veiled bid if you will that the other person may not even know really how to articulate. But if you pause and you say, "You know what? Exactly like you just said, I don't like burning the toast or I don't like disappointing customers." Right. You know, but there, if you if you don't have a design, I just heard this guy at my mastermind group. He was one of the speakers. He said, "If you don't have a design, then you're not going to be able to control behavior." It's so true, and I think that you know a lot of times when we're in conflict, we're in conflict about different things. We're 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 in conflict about stories that are in our head, um, false intentions or false attributions about what's going on. And so we interpret things through our own filters and our own layers. And what we have to realize is we have to stop and say, okay, now wait a minute. Everybody's got a different version. Everybody's got a different story. And you know what? There's truth in all of it. That's the Mm -hmm. crazy thing. And so if we seek connection and we seek understanding, instead of being right, or or instead of trying to prove that our story is better than your story, or my version is more accurate than yours, then it's a game changer. And I, I'm going to be really, really um, transparent on this. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, we can sit here on, on, the, on, a, on a podcast and be like, hey, and do this and hey, and do this. It doesn't mean that what we're saying doesn't work. It just means it takes practice. It takes self-awareness. It takes your ability to take a deep breath. Now, this is all doable. It just takes practice mm-hmm. until it becomes like an, an inherent DNA. I am much better now than I was 20 years ago. And I have many more skills than I had 20 years ago that I wish I'd had when Mm -hmm. I was younger because we all have conversations that we regret. We've all said things that when we look back, we're like, why on earth did I even say that? But then when you unpack it, it's really not as crazy as you think. It was just coming from a really either emotionally upsetting place or a false story. It becomes understandable and then it becomes forgivable. Mm -hmm. You know. it's it it's also comes down to where the what is the and I might not phrase this the right way, but what is the rate of return, if you will, on on what kind of engagement am I getting from that person that's vying for my attention, my communication, or whatever? Or who who do I really need to respond or react to this? You know, I think about and I'm thinking about that because today in this super connected world, we have everybody vying for our attention, vying yeah. for us to... Uh, they're sending us messages all day long and they're just waiting for us to to say something back to them. But we have to rank you know, those things in our brain and in our heart. And it's a really, really challenging thing, especially for those of us who really lean into connection and want to feel connected and part of a community and we empathize with those people that may not feel that way but we still nevertheless have to prioritize who we engage with based on our dreams vision goals stakeholders yeah. in our businesses whatever it might be and so for you that's that's come home kind of in a personal way for you because 
You, after 18 years of working with an organization of CEOs around the world, have decided to, to make changes in your own life. You know, big ones, huge you know, ones, big ones, and you're executing them in 2019. So I'd love for you to share with us kind of what the, the catalyst was, um, what the internal dialogue was, what some of the external dialogue might have been with some of the key stakeholders and how you ultimately decided to act upon it. Okay, well, that's a four-hour dialogue. <laughs> but, I'll, but I'll give you sort of like the highlight reel of, of that, and I'll walk you through it a little bit. There, there are times in your life when... Well, let me go back. This is really important. So my, my definition of mild, mild depression, not clinical, but mild depression, is lack of hope for a compelling future. And as a super upbeat, optimistic, I'm, I love my life, I'm high on life, I noticed that some of the joy of what I was doing was leaking out of my life. And that's just, and I don't mean like flooding, I mean like this slow drip of, I love what I do, I love what I'm doing, I love these pieces over here, but there's something that is off. There's just something that is draining my energy. And it it doesn't sound like rocket science when I say it, but I live on the road. I absolutely live on the road because what I do, and I love what it is that I do. But when you're on the road all but six weeks out of the year, there are some things that you realize that are missing from your life. And it was that sort of kind of self-awareness of, I love what I do, but I don't necessarily love the cost of what I do. Mm-hmm. And the cost of what I do was, was having a very strong impact in my personal life. And so I thought, well, then how do I... So notice my problem solving. How mm-hmm. do I do what I love and maybe even expand my capacity to do it while changing the impact that it has on my personal life? So I didn't say I had to give up anything. It really was an and question. Like, how do I get this and this? Mm-hmm. And that was all of last year's, let's change the business model let's execute differently, let's make some tough choices. And even though I love my client of 18 years, I love the people that I've been serving, I love the work that we do together, the cost started to outweigh the reward. Mm -hmm. And so that was just one of those seminal moments where I was like, this is going to be a little bit painful. This is going to be a transition, but it's also going to be an innovation of how I play. It's going to be a reinvention and it's going to expand a whole new fun chapter. And it has. That's the crazy thing is that once I flipped the switch. Once I stepped into this new chapter and said, like, there's really, I'm not going to have one foot in each. I like, it's like, I got to rip the bandaid. Once I did it, it was amazing how the world stepped up to fill in that gap. That's, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff there. Number one, you had the self-awareness, you were listening to what you were feeling and what was going on in your head. And, and you had this, you had this intuitive nature that that allowed you to sense that joy was leaking out of out of your life, and you're naturally joyful. Opti- you have the optimistic gene, you know. Yes, I do. So then, where where did you? At what point did you begin to bring others into that dialogue? Well, I'm blessed that I'm a part of a mastermind group, and there are three other women in this group that, and not not okay. So that didn't come out right. There are four of us total. So it's not like three of the seven are brilliant. All three of them are amazing. And there are four of us total. So I've got three really powerhouse women 
that are great sounding boards for me. And I really believe in mastermind groups. I, I, I think sometimes we get in our own head. It, it, it's a chance for us to expand our perspective, have provocative thoughts um, tossed at us. And I really said, I'm nervous about this. And so we processed and we dialogued. And it, there was a seminal moment when one of the women said to me, what, what are you afraid of? Like there, there, are, there are thousands of people that don't even know that this organization exists who've managed to make their way in the world in other ways. So why, why do you think that you won't figure it out if you, like, if you let go of this way? And it was just like, duh. You know? And so little conversations like that, conversations internally about, oh, so here's one question that was also seminal. Who must I become to get the life that I want? Hmm. In other words, who must I be to lead my way into the goals and the visit and the vision and the desires that I really have. Now, here's the irony. I ask my mastermind. So I lead a mastermind group, not with those women. I lead a separate mastermind group. And I always ask them, who must you allow yourself to become? But I hadn't answered it myself. Hmm. And the minute that I stepped back and I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to be a more confident person. I've got to be a bigger risk taker. I've got to be more technology. I've got to have more fun with this. Mm -hmm. I've got to... And then as soon as I laid all that map, I mean, Mike, it was just like, duh, it's time to take a risk. Only it's not as risky when you have that level of confidence behind you. Yeah. Because the reality is, is that you have these, you've dug your well and it's been, it's very, very deep. Yes. And you can draw on that well of experience and relationships and results and outcomes that you've produced for others. And they will come to you. It's like the field of dreams. If you build it, they will come, you know? And so, you know, I could totally see all of those people coming to you in beautiful, sunny San Diego, you know? And well, okay, but let's take that analogy because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in a slightly different direction. I, okay. thought, I thought you were headed down and see, this is why we all have a story and a conversation in our own head. Let's go with the well analogy for a second. Okay, sure. This is where I was at. I have this incredible well. I have this incredible source of water. Why would I travel to a new land and risk giving up this source of life, this water that sustains my existence? What I had to realize is that I have all now the skills and tools to go find and build an even better well that could serve thousands of people in a new land instead of just hundreds of us here in this land. And that to me was sort of the I'm capable of this well. This well is awesome and it's deep and it's vibrant and it's life-sustaining. So why why leave? Mm-hmm. Why leave? Because it's actually, I'm being called. I'm being called to a new land to go build a new well. Mm-hmm. And I have to have faith that I can do it and do it better. And one of those is the profitable, the, the Power of Profitable Conversations course. Yes, totally. That, that rolled out uh, this month, January, and, and is available on your website, I would imagine. Yes, 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 yes. Give, give it a little plug. This will this will air after the early bird pricing ends, but it's still a ridiculously amazing offer. And to get access to the deep well of Amy Kay's wisdom, knowledge, and experience, where she's taught internationally for more than twenty years, is you know ridiculous. So, so give a little plug of, about, about the profitable conversations course. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been quite as passionate about anything. And you know, I'm a passionate, like I am in, like I am all in about what I do and what I've been doing for so long. But this is, this to me is sort of the, 
the culmination of everything that I've been on the planet for to do. And it's been divinely supported. And I, and I believe that 100%. It was sort of like one of those, do I do this? And then every time I made one step in this direction, you know, the universe came up and, and validated that I was on the right path. And so we've got this course now. It's a year long. And it's primarily video because we know that people want flexibility to watch when they want to watch. And then it's a monthly coaching call live. I'm doing it. You're in the hot seat. I'm helping you with your toughest conversations and how to navigate them confidently. And it's just everything. It's, it's not even just work. It's at home in our relationships and it's our mindset and who we are and how we operate and how we create the life that we desire one conversation at a time. So I'm not teaching Six Sigma. I'm not teaching you like, like warehouse efficiency. I'm teaching you how to build the life that you want at work and at home and in your own head one conversation at a time. And we're having irreverent blast doing it. So super creative. Um, I will do a plug, amyk.com forward slash PPC, PPC for um, the power of profitable conversations. Um, it's filled with information. Uh, we closed the cart on January 31st this year. We'll reopen it in October. But it really is the idea that if you can stop long enough to have a conversation like you had with Maeve or to have a breakthrough conversation with your partner or a breakthrough conversation with your boss or a board member or a sibling or learn how to say no and not damage your relationship. Um, I think it's worth its weight in gold to give you the life that you're meant to live. Definitely. And we will be sure to link to that in the show notes and share it out on social media. And if people don't make the Gen- January 31st cutoff, it, I'm pumped to hear that you're going to reopen it in October. Yes. Um, I think that's brilliant too, because you can't, you've got to, you can't just leave it open ended if you're going to be intentional the way that you want to be with the people that opt into the course from the, at any point. You, you need to, they need, you only have so much capacity and, and you have to be able to serve and be intentional in the way that, that you are accustomed to and that your uh, your clients uh, demand so that you don't have a communication breakdown, right? Where you're right. all of a sudden expectations are in line with reality and then there's disappointment and blah, blah, blah. And it's just the spirals. It would, you know, so, so putting boundaries around the course itself is communication in action. Well, you know, it's so funny. I'm, I'm a big believer in there's nothing that we're going to do that's going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. But it can sure be excellent. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we really have sort of as a mantra in our company as, you know, we, we will do our very best to, to make it perfect, but we're human and we're fallible. And, you know, there's usually something that's going on. But we have, we have this thought of what will make it truly excellent. And if this won't make it truly excellent, then we don't do it. You know, that reminds me of a George Patton quote that says the... Uh... A perfect plan or a good plan executed violently is better than a perfect plan never executed. Yeah, totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> totally agree. Well, Amy Kay, as we wrap up this this conversation, um, I, I want to conclude with number one, uh, a gratitude because I'm so thankful for your encouragement and support and friendship that we've developed over the last couple of years, and look forward to collaborating more in 2019. And um, and so I'm very grateful for you and for all that you're doing. And I'm, I'm one of your biggest fans. So 
Uh, vice versa. Thank yeah. you. I'm yeah. so excited about your book. I, yes. I, I've read it. I love it. I can't wait to start buying it and giving it as gifts. Thank you so much. I, I can't wait to get a hard copy of it in my hand. You know, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's one of the biggest things right now for me is just being patient and trusting the process and being flexible. And um, so I'm, I'm having, you know, the, your, our conversation about communication and, and stuff is very timely. I always conclude with, with three questions of every single guest. I've already asked you the, the superpower question and people can go back and listen to that on episode 26. So I want to conclude with two of the three questions that are new that you haven't answered before. Okay, good. And, and the first is, um, what are three lies that we tell ourselves that prevent us from having powerful conversations? I'm right. That's a big lie. I'm right. Because you might be right about some things, but you won't be right about everything. Um, and it's just your story, your version. So I'm right prevents us from having a lot of quality conversation. I'm not good enough, or I don't deserve this, or I don't feel strongly about my own self-worth can um, lead to a lot of really non-profitable conversations. Um, you know, ba- boundaries in our world and having boundaries um, is a reflection of self-worth and self-value. And if you don't have them, then it's really self-sabotage. So that's another one. Um, so I'm right is a lie. Um, I'm not enough is a lie. And you're either wrong or you're crazy is also a huge lie. Mm. It's simply that we don't take the time to connect and understand to realize that somewhat what seemingly on the surface could be crazy or irrational is actually their truth. It doesn't mean you have to accept cray-cray behaviors. You don't. Mm-hmm. It just means that you do need to lean in to connect to understand somebody else's story and perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're bidding for something, as you said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, so true. This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group, a full-service advertising and design agency specializing in websites, social media, apps, logos, and more. Based in Oklahoma, they work with clients across the nation from small businesses to large corporations and everything in between. You can find them right now on the web at www.lawtonmg.com or call them at 580-275-2063. Connect with them now for a complimentary competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the impact entrepreneur told you to call. Carrot Golden is the founder and the CEO of Hint Inc., which is a delicious water company. You can go back and listen to our episode where we talk about the catalyst for why she created this delicious tasting water and how she innovatively delivered it to the marketplace. And before she was at CEO at at Hint and started Hint, she was an incredible leader at AOL and ran a billion-dollar revenue center for the company there. And it came from a great place of personal pain and need for her to change her lifestyle. That was the catalyst for creating Hint. And I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. But she has become a, an unstoppable force in the, in the entrepreneurial world. And she also has a, a podcast of that same name, which I will be appearing on soon. And she was also kind enough to share some, some kind thoughts and words about the book. And here's what Kara had to say. There's no question that finding and starting with why is important. And still, 
Mike's powerful storytelling reminds us that before we can do either, we must remember we are worthy of a why in the first place. A must-read for any organization in the people business. Boom. I hope you enjoy this last piece of this mashup with Kara Golden. And again, be sure to hit pause or at the end of this episode, whenever you're not driving, send a text to 831-607-1818 with the word key. That is text the word key to 831-607-1818 so that you can be kept in the loop and up to speed on the progress of the book launch next week on April 29th, the day of the book launch, we will be replaying chapter one of Master the Key. So you can get a little bit of a flavor of how the story is set up and what the main character, Steve, is experiencing that launches him on this eye-opening journey. So bust out your pens and paper, take some notes, and definitely send a text to 831-607-1818 with the word key. Love you. Have a great week. Can't wait to see you and celebrate with you in the weeks to come. So I remember telling my husband that I'm just going to trade out Diet Coke for uh, plain water. And he's like, well, that's going to be really hard for you because you've been like (laughs) drinking Diet Coke for a long time. I mean, you're drinking like on a, you know good day or however you want to view it, bad day. I mean, I was drinking, you know, north of 10. Oh my not, gosh. Not wow. always in a can format. Right. You know, yeah, I, the, I grew the, up a two in A two-liter bottle or whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah. I grew up in Arizona. I really right. liked, fa- I preferred fountain versus oh, yeah. like sure. in a can. And yeah. so we had Circle K's and and right. Phoenix Scottsdale area. So I'd always go or 7-Eleven or whatever. And so I'd fill up. And so usually I wouldn't even drink the whole thing. I liked like the newness of it right. and cold and whatever. Right. But, um, and even when I was at AOL, I mean, I have friends who of course didn't tell me there then, but told me afterwards that they wouldn't even show up in a meeting with me unless I had a Diet Coke. Like everybody was like, where's her Diet Coke? They'd be so (laughs) distracted by me not having a Diet Coke because I just so much like needed it. And so I, um, so, you know, left the Diet Coke and then really felt like crap for a couple of weeks. And then looked in the mirror one day and saw that my adult acne was gone. And thought that was really interesting and then happened to to go to lunch with a friend of mine and she was like, you look like you've lost weight. And I was like, oh God, I've gave up Diet Coke and I've just been feeling horrible. And she's like, no, you really look like you've lost weight. And so I got on the scale after lunch and I had lost over 20 pounds in like in like two weeks and I didn't even notice it. I mean, you know, many people will relate to this, especially if you've had kids. I mean, I like stopped getting on the scale because I really frankly didn't want to know what the scale said, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. The scale had not been my friends, especially having, you know, so many babies back to back. But I, I really, um, I was really stumped by this because the main thing that I had changed was the diet soda. And finally, uh, you know, sort of lived this way. Six months later, I lost over 50 pounds. I actually went back to the doctor that I had seen in New York and said, you know, I got to tell you, I made an appointment and 
went in there and said, I got to tell you, like, I've just been drinking water. And, you know, in order to drink more water, I've been cutting up fruit and throwing it in the water because I hate the taste of water. But just giving up the diet soda allowed me to lose the weight. And, but now I'm like losing too much weight and I'm concerned, like, maybe I'm sick or like, maybe like there's something wrong. And he was like, So, how much of the medication are you taking? And I'm like, Oh, no, I never filled the prescription. And he's like, Oh, well, you should probably leave then. <laughs> and I thought, I'm so excited, but I'm also a little concerned. And that's the conversation that I want to have with you. And you're upset that I didn't take the medication. And at that point, I really realized that, you know, and I think it's changed over, you know, the last 12 years to some extent. It's gotten better. But, you know, our medical community today is set up in such a way. And again, it's gotten slightly better, but especially back then, where it was like, if you're sick, Come to the doctor and we'll give you medication. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and, and that's what doctors do. It wasn't about preventative medicine at all. And so that was, you know, a huge epiphany for me. And again, coming from a tech industry, I was not coming from, I, you know, I'm not a nutritionist. I was not, it, this was purely a consumer like, Wow, like mm-hmm. that that's such yeah. a crazy, you know, I ne- I thought the doctors were supposed to make me feel good and supposed to be excited about, you know, the changes progress, and right. the progress that we're making and especially if I'm able to do it without the medications. Like and so at that point I was like living uh living this way and really feeling good was continuing to work out every day but you know I've never been a marathon runner or anything crazy I'm you know it's 30 to 45 minutes every day doing you know sort of everything from soul cycle to you know running on the beach or whatever hiking and mm-hmm. and really just getting out and moving more than anything else and i went to my local whole foods was shopping one day and uh there was a guy stocking the shelves and and i said to him hey i'm looking for a product that just has a little bit of fruit in it that uh that is still water that uh if I want to go in and and grab a sandwich, I can grab it off the shelf. Do you know of anything like that? And he pointed to a product called vitamin water. And I was never, I knew about vitamin water, but I was never a vitamin water consumer. I was really a Diet Coke consumer. And so I quickly, you know, turned the product around and looked at the label and saw that it had just as many ingredients as a, as the diet coke that I had been drinking and I didn't want to go back to that and uh and then I also noticed at that time that it had almost as much sugar as a as a regular coke mm-hmm. and I really didn't want to go in that direction and so I said to the guy at Whole Foods I'm like you know this is really crazy like it has a lot of ingredients in it but the sugar content is so high and that's really ironic because it's calling itself water and it's not really water and at vitamin. all and in vitamins. Yeah. And so he's like, yeah, I think a lot of people like you're getting lots of vitamins from it. So nobody's really like reading the label on it and it's supposed to be really good for you. And, you know, it was his, like he didn't work for vitamin water it was his own perce- perception on it. I was like, wow, like the sugar I in and of itself, like I bet you just gain weight just from, and, you know, again, like just sort of stream of conscious, just like saying this and went off and did the rest of my shopping. And then a couple of weeks later, I went back to the supermarket and saw him in the market 
And uh, he said, you know, I was talking to my buddy who's gained all this weight and he's a big vitamin water drinker. And he, uh, and I, I was telling him about my conversation with you. And he said, you know, tell her definitely that there's, uh, you know, that I, I just realized that this product is not really, you know, as clean as it may, mm-hmm. you know, sound to the consumer. And I think it's really interesting what she's saying that, you know, water, should actually at most have, you know, some flavor to it, like hint, right. but it shouldn't have the rest of this crap in it. So, um, so he joked around with me and said, you know, you should just develop this product. And I said, ha ha, you know, whatever. And then I, I went home and started thinking about it. Like, maybe that is what I, that maybe that's my calling. I mean, maybe I can actually help people to enjoy water again. And maybe I could actually, you know, change a lot of things, whether it's, you know, weight gain or type 2 diabetes or whatever. I just thought it was such a cool thing that I was like almost gifted to be able to be seeing, you know, this, this, you know, problem. Did you see it all like at the same time, like all of these different um, niches that you could help heal or impact or or did you just start boiling the fruit and then all of these things started to like No, I, I think I really thought about it top level when I, mm-hmm. you know, was writing the business plan. I thought, you know, if you could if you could actually get people to drink water again, which they had moved away from once we started, you know, launching these flavored waters and vitamin waters and sodas, then you could actually change health in America and the world. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought about mm-hmm. when I launched it. And yeah. so um but I also thought, you know, if you started simple by, you know, just doing it with water, you could actually do it in a lot of other categories and and really come back to yeah. the basics, right? Mm-hmm. Of of really, you know, where I thought that many products should be in order for people to be healthier. So so that's when I, you know, went home and I I was I had been slicing up fruit and Throwing, you know, them in a pitcher and putting it in the refrigerator, and I don't know if you've ever done that, but it gets mm-hmm. sort of I I called it smeggy looking, like it was just you know after a while the pulp would get right. weird and the water would get cloudy. So I thought I have to go through a lot of fruit in order to do that, you know, on a weekly basis. And so I I thought if you could actually boil the fruit down and actually take the oils and extracts out of the fruit then maybe you could actually not have to deal with the pulp mm-hmm. and the rest of the product mm-hmm. that is also, that what I thought was causing the problem. And again, I had way too much time on my hands. I mean, yeah. I had little kids, but yeah. my brain was just thinking about, yeah. you know. You're a problem solver. Yeah. And so I started throwing these fruits on the stove and seeing if I could actually, you know, extract what I wanted out of there. I had a little medicine dropper that I was taking and yeah. I was putting in the water. And then, you know, again, I'd go out with my friends and and I'd be like, here, try this. And they're like, oh my God, that tastes so good. What is it? And I'm like, you know, this is raspberry pomegranate. And they're they're like, wait a minute, like, how do you get it in there? And I said, it's like two to three drops and we're putting it in the bottle. And so I had the concept, but then, you know, I didn't know. I'm first of all, I knew that I couldn't long-term continue doing this in my kitchen. Right. And then, uh, 
And then I said to my husband, uh, I really want to, you know, launch this company and I've done some research on it and I've got to buy some bottles and caps. And I found this uh, bottler, they, it's called Copacker in, in Chicago that we're going to go out. And, now, that's a funny so, story yeah. because, because I read that yeah. and, and you had done all of this stuff. Research. Research. Yeah. And, and I don't, it's not clear in the articles that I've read how much he knew about what you were actually doing. He didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so you delivered two very important pieces of news at the same time. Yeah. Right as you were getting ready to leave to Chicago, so let's fill in the gaps. <laughs> yeah, so we, um, so I had been doing research and sort of, you know, trying to, like, trying to really understand it, and maybe in some ways also trying to get the guts up on on a couple of different levels to actually, you know, break the news. I don't know if you've ever done that, where you're thinking like, okay, at some point I've got to, I've got to get some more information in order to sort of like unload, mm-hmm, you know, all mm-hmm. of this. And so I kept thinking. You know, I've got to have my business plan before I actually do it. I'm I'm the type of person too where I want to like bake things in my mind a little bit right. more before I actually unload them to anybody. I'm not the kind of person like here's what I've been thinking about. Right. Like that to me is just that's just a thought. Mm-hmm. That's not actually. Mm-hmm. I I like to get things like you know in my mind, and this could change, but 90% of the way before I take it to somebody right. to say like, it's, it's already, you know, almost done. So that, so that was my conversation with my husband. I was like, okay, listen, I'm going to take $50,000 out of our bank account and I'm going to buy the bottles and the caps and the company's called Wawa and there's, you know, and, and he was like, what, what, what? like, where are you going with this? And I'm like, well, yeah, no, it's, you know, I've been drinking, drinking like, you know, fruit in water. And I went to Whole Foods. And I talked to this guy and, you know, and he's like, what? You know, well, like, what are you talking about? And he seemed really upset. And he's like, Wawa, that's a terrible idea and blah, blah, blah. I mean, he's going on and on about, you know, sort of poking holes in this whole thing. And then right. I figured, well, he's already upset. And so I was like, okay, so I got one more thing. Like, before you like say anything else, I mean, there's no better time than just to tell you that I'm pregnant with our fourth child. <laughs> and he is like, oh my God. And he walked out of the room and I wasn't even sure if he was going to come back. Actually, yeah. I mean, he was just like, that was the maddest I've ever seen him. Like he was just, he was like, on so many levels, I can't even believe that you're telling me like you're a tech executive who's being heavily recruited and you're going to go start a beverage company and you're going to call, call it Wawa. And he was like, why Wawa? And I'm like, okay, so when we get our kids to drink like something else, like we're trying to get them to drink water, we, we call it Wawa. And he's like, who's we? And I'm like, you know, like me and my friends, like, you know, when you're getting the kids to like give them a sippy cup and you call it Wawa. And he's like, no, most people don't do that. Like it's like a, it's a weird thing that you're that you're doing. And I was like, okay, whatever. And he's like, whatever. And and he's like, okay, look, you earned your own money. I'm not. I think this is a really bad idea. But I'm not really gonna like argue with you about it because you seem like you're really passionate about it. So I want to come with you to the bottling plant and you know see what's going on. And uh, and then this name thing, this Wawa thing, like super bad idea. Um, talk to me about you know where you're like 
how would you describe this product to people and mm. sort of like, you know, tell me a little bit more about where you're going with this. And so I kept talking and then finally said, it's just, I kept saying the word hint. And, um, and then he sort of, you know, like I saw his head sort of move. And, and then I was like, wait a minute, hint. That's, that's the name. He's like, you'll never get it. It's like, it's a four letter word. It's like, there's just no way that you'll actually get that. And yeah. I'm like, okay, so your job is actually to, you're an attorney, you're a trademark attorney. Your job is to actually file the stuff for me. It's not to actually tell me it's a bad idea. <laughs> and so that's how you can be really useful to me. And um, and then also it'd be super great if you went to the plant with me because I'm super morning sickness, getting super morning yeah. sickness right now. And so he's like, okay, great. And I remember like when the bottles were rolling off of the line and he came to me and he said, okay, I get it now. Like you've never worked in a physical like goods company, right? Mm -hmm. So you're like this is super cool. Like you can show all your friends. Yeah. Like this is got... almost as good as having a baby. Yeah. 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 Like you're, he was like, I totally get it. It's really exciting. I love the idea. There's a lot of things to figure out. And he said, but um, so I totally get it. And I was like, that's not why I want to launch this company at all. Like I want to launch the company because I believe that we could actually change health in America. And it's interesting. He had done, he left, he was at Netscape and was in house counsel, mm. um, intellectual property at Netscape. And it's interesting because when he left, he went to do a startup with his dad's a doctor and this guy who was a friend of his dad's had started this really, really cool company that was doing patient interviews and helping um, to, get a, to get better diagnostics for consumers. So you filled out um, a form that said, you know, everything about you and you gave it to your local doctor after um, experts from all over the world had read your answers to questions. Mm. And so they had, so you were immediately giving your local doctor information on, you know, possible Crohn's disease, Parkinson's disease, type 2 diabetes, people who were really studying these diseases, which is, you know, the biggest problem for like a consumer today is that they go to their local doctor just to figure out what's wrong with them. And, and the doctor just doesn't know that much about, you know, the, the different, you know, interests, right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so, and so it was uh, ultimately they ended up selling the company off to the Bosch Foundation. There were lots of things that were, you know, coming up like HEPA laws were all, you know, being oh, yeah. created at that point. Yeah. And so what he saw was that in order to actually do this company, he'd have to really, um, there were just, lots of like it, above and beyond investment. There were just lots of things that needed to get done and it was just hard. Mm -hmm. It was really hard. Mm -hmm. And so his fascination with Hint was like, he's like, you know, this is so simple. Like it actually might work. Like here you are giving the consumer a less than $2 product and you could actually change their health. What we were doing at our company was saying, fill out this form, go to the doctor, like go and get some other tests. There's like lots of steps involved. Mm -hmm. And then the average consumer may give up mm -hmm. right before those steps. Mm -hmm. With you, you're, you're like, here, just drink this. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to drink twice as much in a day, right? They're going to give up something. So let's say that they give up the sodas 
regular diet. They give up these things that you know are not so great for them and swap it out for this. Like they're going to see some kind of change, mm-hmm. whether it's weight loss or better skin or or whatever, just by doing that one simple change. Mm-hmm. So he was really really interested, mm-hmm. and we got back to San Francisco and uh, and you know waited actually for uh, our next production run and. Basically, it was being shipped out to us and there were some delays. And then we got it actually the morning. I was having a planned C-section at two in the afternoon. And I woke up that morning and had lots of energy. And uh, the nanny's there. I think uh, my mother-in-law was there as well to sort of like watch the kids. And I said to my husband, you know what I'd really love to do? We have these cases. I'd love to go over to Whole Foods. And the guy had promised me um, that he would give it a try in, in Whole Foods. So let's go over there and see if we can drop some cases. He's like, you are crazy. Like we've <laughs> got to be over at the hospital. And I'm like, it's going to take no more than an hour. Like, just come on, let's just go. Let's go. And so we go over to Whole Foods on California and Franklin and go and grab the uh, the guy. And I said, hey, do you remember me? And he was like, you were not this pregnant. And I said, <laughs> I know, I'm like super pregnant. We've been really busy creating this product and it's called Hint. And I'm gonna give you 10 cases, you know, to, to put up on the shelf. And he was like, well, I just meant you should do it. But he was sort of backtracking on his promise or what my perceived, you know, my perceived take on sort of what he was promising was that he was going to put it on the shelf. And, you know, my husband's kind of like two feet behind me, just thinking like, oh my God, like she's, God only knows like what this guy actually said to her or not. And I'm like, come on, I'm like delivering a baby at two this (laughs) afternoon. You should really do it. And so I didn't really know when we left Whole Foods, whether or not he was actually going to put him on the shelf. And so I go and, you know, deliver Justin. He's healthy. Everything's great. The next day, um, the phone rings and, you know, I thought it was family or friends or whatever calling to see how I was doing. And so I said to my husband, uh, so who is it? And he said, oh, it's a guy from Whole Foods. And I said, what, what do you say? And he said, he said, the product's gone. And I was like, give me the phone. And so I said, who took the product? <laughs> and he said, no, it, it was sold. And I'm like, like 10 cases are gone. That was and in that two day period? Yeah, two it day was period. like a day and a half period. Wow. And I'm like, wow, like that's crazy. And so I was, and he said, you know, I can't hold your shelf space. I'd given you guys all the shelf space and I can't hold it for long. So you really have to deliver some more product. And we didn't have any more product. And so we went home and made some in our kitchen and uh, I got out of the hospital early and um, and uh, my husband, Theo said, you know, I'll go deliver the cases for you. And, but by the way, if I'm going to do this, I should get like a business card or something. (laughs) And I was like, okay, like get a business card. And and he was like, well, what should my title be? And I'm like, I don't know, like chief operating officer. I I don't know what it should be. I don't really care what it is. And so he was like, okay. So I'm going to get car chief operating officer of Hint. And it was like a joke. I mean, it was, we were, you know, off to the races and there were so many things that we hadn't figured out. I mean, above and beyond sort of the distribution side of this business. I mean, I, I tell entrepreneurs all the time that it's, uh, you know, we didn't understand shelf life. We didn't Mm -hmm. really understand. We didn't understand what we were doing. I mean, it was like, which was, you know, super scary, but also 
really energizing too, because yeah. I felt like I finally found it, you know, at AOL, I had been a vice president at AOL and and had, you know, grown pretty quickly in that organization. And I felt like here was an opportunity for me to not be the one in the room that knew it all. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it was just a, you know, very exciting. Um, I I felt like I didn't know it all. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that doesn't happen, I think, to everybody. People, you know, typically it's like, okay, I've got to go in and keep growing. I actually wanted to go back to the bottom yeah. and was willing to go back to the bottom yeah. in an industry to sort of, you know, go and figure something out. And I was, you know, not concerned about titles. I was really just concerned about, you know, learning and, and changing an industry mm-hmm. that I thought was really broken. I I love that. I love that specifically you didn't wait until you had all the information specifically to before you started taking action. You started taking small, immediate steps toward yeah. achieving what you set out to, to achieve. I think that's one of the number one things that holds people who could potentially be entrepreneurs and who could potentially launch great companies that prevents them from actually taking action is they're waiting until they have all of the information to get to a point where they're going to be comfortable to take that next step. And I think that's a huge mistake, which transitions into kind of what I want to talk about with, with risk-taking in the next few minutes before we have to let you go. What's the number one mistake that entrepreneurs make when it comes to approaching risk or thinking about risk? You know, I think it's it's partly based on what, what you're saying too, that, I, that it's, it's a, uh, you know, I think if you've worked in a large company, there's this, there's this thinking that risk is bad, right? Like risk is, you know, especially if you've worked in a large public company that, you know, you can't take risk, you have to minimize risk, right? And so I think for, um, especially people who have grown up in, in, you know, uh, even a small company, no matter what stage you've been at where it's all about development, Mm -hmm. then I think you start to learn that you can't actually, uh, you know, hit the hit the ball out of the ballpark unless you do take some risks mm-hmm. too. So I think it's really figuring out, um, you know, along the way, what is the best way to, you know, approach that so that you get smaller gains mm-hmm. along the way. But, you know, to your point about launching, um, you know, launching to that sometimes people just think that, you know, they can't do anything until they, until it's perfect. I always say to people that, it's look for us for a consumer product that people are drinking like our biggest issue was you know we didn't want people to die yeah. right i mean that was the thing and we wanted it to taste great so we were sure we would have never launched a product that was going to you know make someone sick or kill somebody right mm-hmm. like that was like the the really key thing um that we wanted to make sure that that wasn't you know happening but i think you know you learn so much by just hearing the consumer feedback on, right. on a product, whether it's they're buying the product or I'm not a big believer in focus groups either. Cause I think that focus groups, everybody seems to, I used to do focus groups all the time at AOL. It's um, everybody shows up and they sort of know why they're there. And so, and you kind of hear what you want to hear along the way. So I think if you have an opportunity, even as a small way to get it out there, and let the consumer pay, you know, for the product and and try the product. Mm-hmm. Then that's the biggest way to really learn and 
I guarantee that if you um, have delayed, delayed, delayed in order to have the perfect product, once the consumer actually gives you their feedback and what they're willing to pay money for, Mm -hmm. then you're going to change your product Mm -hmm. anyway. One of the things that's really cool and you talked about the beginning is changing the paradigm and not necessarily, necessarily being stuck by the way things are currently being done. And the example that you use is that these big conglomerates buy all the shelf space. And that can be a, a major uh, inhibitor of success for a small company is, is you got this 800-pound gorilla taking up all of the real estate um, and could stop a lot of companies that are not innovative in their tracks before they even get off the, off the ground. And one of the things that I think coming from your tech background enabled you to think differently about that scenario and that environment. And you took a huge risk in launching direct to a consumer. And so how did you approach that strategy by by changing the way you thought about the process? And how can entrepreneurs use that as an example to look at the industry that they're in and maybe think differently about it? So I think there's many lessons learned in there. I think that the I remember meeting a guy that uh, a friend introduced me to even before we launched Hint, and I was trying to he had launched a uh, or had a the first organic whole wheat flour company, and I thought, okay, it's food. He's in Whole Foods. I'm going to go and meet with him and and grab coffee. Anyway, Josh Dorf said to me, when you launch your company, I was like, what are like the biggest lessons that you've learned? And he was like, what I've learned is, and again, he's not in the beverage industry, he's in the flower industry, but it's really all the same thing. He was like, what you'll learn is it's pick and shovel work. Hmm. And I was like, pick and shovel work? Like, what do you mean? What do you mean by pick and shovel work? And he was like, like, you'll get it on the shelf at Whole Foods or Safeway. And then you'll think, okay, I did it and it's good. And then you'll move on and then you'll get kicked off of the shelf, you know, that you thought that you had that was rock solid. Mm -hmm. And so it's this constant moving thing where you're like chipping away and then you've got to backtrack. You go forward two steps, you go back one, like any way that you want to think about it, but you got to just keep going and you got to just keep chipping away at the rock. And sometimes you got to move over to the other side of the rock and start chipping on that and keep doing that kind of stuff mm-hmm. throughout the process. And I'll never forget that. Like that, that was like huge advice for yeah. me and sort of thinking about this. And so we continued to do that. I mean, initially we launched in Whole Foods, as I mentioned, and we launched on the East Coast as well. Um, my husband had this theory, being a New Yorker, that you know it's one thing if it's working in the Bay Area and San Francisco, but if it's not working on the East Coast, like mm. we'd like to learn that now because mm. if you really want an Uber brand, right, that's going to be right. able to scale, you want to know that it's going to work on both coasts, mm-hmm. right, and mm-hmm. fail fast. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. kind of find out if this is going to fail. If it's not going to work in New York, that was the theory. So we did that. And then we went into sort of the next big move. We went into uh, tech offices purely by accident. We had some friends that were early at Google. They told us that they were like going to have free food and drink and massages and all this other stuff at Google. And we should talk to the food service guy that was running um, this at, at Google. And so we dropped off some samples of Hint and then, you know, First, they ordered two cases and then ten cases, and you know today we do millions oh with gosh. with Google. Wow! Um, and so, so that was really you know 
kind of a different channel. So there's specialty and then there was corporate food service. And then we started getting into this big behemoth of grocery mm-hmm. that you know was really, we thought that's the granddaddy of all granddaddies. And what we realized was, I'll never forget the first meeting with our buyer that we went to. Uh, and they they were explaining that, you know, we were explaining hint and saying that it's a unsweetened flavored water. And so the buyer showed me a planogram that they had that basically laid out where oh, everybody right. would be on the shelf. And so there was soda and there was diet soda and there were and there was a category called enhanced waters, which all had sweeteners in them. And then there were the teas and the plain waters. And so they said, so where do you fit? And I was like, well, none of them. I mean, what we're doing, we're not taking away, we're probably the closest to water, but we actually don't take away from any of your water sales. Mm-hmm. We're taking, these consumers are moving away from the sugar and sweetened stuff. And so they're like, so basically we'd walk out of all these grocery meetings and they were all the same. And they'd say, we'd love to put you in, but there's just no space because it's all planogrammed out. And so we got lucky a couple of times where they were like, well, we do have this little wiggle room. And so we're like, okay, we'll take it. Mm -hmm. And then we'd show that our sales per square foot were actually higher than some of these other categories. So Mm -hmm. it started to expand and expand. Mm -hmm. And so today... You walk into Kroger or HEB or you know Safeway, and you know we we still have you know a twentieth of the space that a Coke or a Pepsi has because they actually pay for the space. They they spend millions of dollars to actually get that real estate, and that's the way that I view it. So a you know. It's not unheard of for a you know Coke or Pepsi to pay Safeway, for example, sixty million dollars a year smokes. to actually block better for you brands from actually being in that space. Should and be illegal. So, and you know, it's there's some question in my mind, especially when you're public companies. There's a lot of you know that stuff that that goes on. Um, but I also think what's what's interesting is that a lot of these checks, I don't believe, mm-hmm. are all are, are all paid by the soda companies and food companies. I think that there's a lot of power from the sugar industry mm-hmm. and uh, the sodium industry and some of the others that are also contributing mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to those checks too. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, you know, it's a crazy world out there. And what I started to see with the grocery business is that I can, you know, continue to chip away at the rock, but that better not be my own only channel, mm-hmm. right? Because it's going to take a long time. And you know, this it's it's a slow process to to make it move, and I have to continue to show growth. But you know, I'll be here forever, forever, yeah, trying to grow that channel. Right. And so, probably, I guess it was about five years ago, four or five years ago, uh, Amazon reached out to us, and they were like, "We love your product. We love what you're doing. We've seen you at Google and Facebook, and we'd really like to put Hint in." Uh, our grocery set that we're launching on on Amazon, and we're also 
in a couple of months launching this thing called Prime, which is going to be subscriptions for mm-hmm. product. And we think like your product, we really want to test it and we're going to wholesale it from you. And so I was like, what's the downside, right? I was also frustrated with a lot of the, um, you know, not just the uh, product that we're selling in grocery, but also in specialty grocery like Whole Foods or, you know, even in food service, we don't get a lot of the data back. So coming from a, you know, tech background, I really felt like that was a piece that I missed, that I didn't really know who my customer was because the data belonged to the people that I was wholesaling the product to. So with Amazon, I thought, okay, I'm going to be able to get some information back on the product. And then after I, you know, we were doing really well, we were one of their top grocery items on Amazon. I, um, and a heavy subscription um, consumer as well, they weren't giving us any of the data back, but they said, look, we'll share a little thing that we think is really interesting, which is that a lot of your consumers are also buying products like. Um, lap bands for um, gastric bypass surgery and type 2 diabetes monitors, as well as um, pregnancy-related items and all health-related items, right? right? And so I was like, wow, that's really fascinating. I want to reach out to these customers and talk to them more about who they are and what problems they're trying to solve. And they're like, well, that's Amazon's data. That's Jeff Bezos' data. So you can't actually get you can't do that. That's our customer. And so at that point, I started to think, well, the only way that I'm actually going to be able to really have a relationship with the customer is to go direct to the customer through our own site. And I took that concept actually, you know, not just to our team, but also to our board and said, I really want to launch our own. And, and the initial feedback was, you know, that's stupid. That's crazy. You'll never be able to compete against Amazon. <laughs> but what I knew about Amazon, and you know, since then Jet has launched, and you know, others is that you know they're never going to have my entire selection, mm-hmm. right? There are certain consumers that want to just come to the drinkhint.com site and know that they can you know buy direct from us. That it's not you know it's not going to be in a warehouse sitting there for months and months and months, and they can also get our newest, latest, and greatest things. And so um, so going back to sort of my scrappy nature, my husband and I just decided, let's just go build a little website and see, you know, what can be done. We were, you know, building, continuing to grow the business, but really thought like this is an opportunity for us to really get to know our customer and sort of fast forward almost three years now, it's 40% of our overall business. Wow. And so what it's really allowed us to do is, is pivot towards, you know, if it allows us options. So mm-hmm. if a, you know, large retailer in Florida, for example, says to us, we're not going to give you as much shelf space or you're not going to be in, um, or maybe they don't tell us that, you know, a Pepsi, for example, is giving them a large real estate check to sort of own more. And so our, our space is going to be taken entirely or, or taken down in some way. Then we now have the ability to go in and target by zip code those customers mm-hmm. in those areas to mm-hmm. say that we're here yeah. and just buy direct through yeah. us. Yeah. And so it it really is, it's giving us options, which hedge. is yeah, yeah, which yeah. is what I say to entrepreneurs all the time that yeah. it's, you know, I have a lot of natural food entrepreneurs who come to me and and uh, talk to me about their product. And, you know, they're all excited that they're in Whole Foods. Yeah. And I'm like, look, it's 
pick and shovel work, going back to what Josh Dorf yeah. said to me, it's like, it's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like your next goal should be to figure out how do I get out of relying on what that buyer at Whole Foods says, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And instead figure out what other channels can I go into in order to make this business uh, that I can turn based on what decisions I'm hearing that I might not like and you know, crank it up in certain areas in order to, you know, take over and ultimately, and ultimately take over the, the relationship with the customer. So, Mm -hmm. and then we, you know, this year actually, uh, well, going back about the time that we were launching the website, I had a scare with, um, pre-cancer on my my nose Oh wow! and, um, and grew up in Arizona, had way too much sun and started, uh, after getting the spot removed on my nose, went, um, started looking at different sunscreens and trying to figure him out. And I had just always just put sunscreen on, just assumed that it was better. And then the spot grew back. And so I started looking at ingredients and really starting first parabens, but then, um, which has been taken out of many sunscreen products. But then I looked at uh, this chemical called oxybenzone and, and quickly did some research on oxybenzone and saw that uh, when it was approved by the FDA in 1976 for use in the U.S. in sunscreen, that uh, the Center for Disease Control was actually saying that it may actually enhance precancer cell growth. And so I thought, you know, we have some of the largest skin cancer in the world, in the U.S., mm-hmm. and it's oxybenzone is not approved in many countries outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I thought, can we actually, can I develop a product that doesn't have oxybenzone and not only from an ingredient standpoint, also develop a product that people actually want to wear. Because I know for myself, I've never really enjoyed wearing sunscreen. Right. I wear it yeah. because I think I'm supposed to do that so I don't get a sunburn. Um, but also, you know, when I, like some of my worst vacations have been with my kids trying to put sunscreen on them and like massive fights, they're running away from me. So we took our fruit essences from our water to actually scent the product. Hmm. And, um, and you know, we, is that launching? So, so we launched it in January of this year and a small way we got FDA approval after two and a half years, which apparently is fast. Um, I think we may be the first sunscreen that's actually using real fruit Mm. to actually scent the product. So, um, so, and what's interesting is most consumers, um, and again, small test in San Francisco and some doctor's offices were, were in uh, Four Seasons, a few of their properties as well. But most consumers are actually buying two bottles because they can't figure out which scent mm-hmm. they want. So we, we have it in grapefruit, pear, and pineapple. And, uh, and so we're really doing what we've done in the beverage industry, which is helping people to you know, read labels, get healthier. Um, you know, I, I'm a big believer that the best sunscreen is the one that you actually want to wear. Mm-hmm. So it's really about the experience. It smells great. Um, people are really, really excited about it. And we're launching nationwide in January in Target. That is awesome. So, yeah. Congratulations. So we've been in Target with the yeah. water, but now right. we're going to go in in a bigger way. And then we have, we have a few other products uh, in other categories in the queue. But the, the goal and sort of the mission of this company is... Uh, 
is really just to help the consumer live a healthy lifestyle, which again, going back to sort of the the re, my reason for launching this company in the first place was just that. It wasn't to launch a beverage company. It was really to help consumers. Well, we have, uh, we're coming up on the the uh, end of our time together, but I want to make sure that number one, we, people know where they can go and get Hint and also connect with you online. So if you could take a, yeah. a second to share. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so our site is drinkhint.com and you can get all of our uh, water as well as sunscreen and lip balms and all that stuff online. And, and, uh, and really um, that's, that's, I think, the easiest place to get it because we ship it directly to your home. But you can also get it on Amazon, uh, nationwide, and Whole Foods, and most grocery stores across the country. And uh, we're also in a lot of offices. So if you work in an office where uh, you have beverages available to you, definitely recommend that they switch over from a lot of the sugary and not so good for you drinks to a product like Hint. So. And you also offer a lot of great entrepreneurial advice often on Facebook, other social media channels. So where they can where can they follow you? Yeah. So uh Kara Golden, that's K-A-R-A-G-O-L-D-I-N dot com. And uh yeah, and I post every once in a while on Twitter and Medium and LinkedIn yeah. and Facebook and just have a lot of fun with it. So now we have three final questions uh, before we let yeah. you go. And uh you can take as long or as short with them as you like. But the first is if you could take any skill set that you currently possess and turn it into a superpower, what would it be? I would say the skill set of um, of just being able to see what's important, hmm. right? Hmm. And I think that I think it is a skill. I think it, it mm-hmm. it's a it's a gift, but it's a skill that would be super cool. It's it's um you know it's seeing ahead of. Where the where the typical consumer mm-hmm. actually sees, mm-hmm. so I think I I do have a gift for that. I love it. What are three lies that we tell ourselves that prevent us from realizing our full potential? So three lies. Uh, I'd say the first one is that uh, we should get people to uh, to do. Well, in the case of Hint, I, I thought that I didn't have experience in the beverage industry, and therefore I kept saying that I couldn't do it, that I wasn't smart enough, that I, you know, that I didn't have the capacity to go do this. And you know, as I always tell people, it's like, I mean, that was a, that was actually probably a benefit to me because there were a lot of things I was able to do. I'd say, uh, yeah, just I think gut is also is also something too that it's it's something that I think is underrated. Um, that like going with your gut, your yeah, intuition. going with your gut. That I I think a lot of people you know second guess themselves a lot. Um, you know, just based on uh, whether you know it's their read on people or their read on you know products. It's just I think that that's something that is definitely something mm-hmm. that. Um, that people should uh, trust a little bit more in. Um, and a third one, I don't know if I have, I mean, I think those are two. Those are two doozies, yeah, those, are, those yeah. are good ones. The last question is is a big one, and it's it's the title of a book that Clay Christensen wrote. He was a Harvard yeah. business professor. Yeah. And uh, it's, how will you measure your life? I think uh, family first and, um, and being a good role model for, uh, for my kids. Um, and, and then I think also just being a disruptor and changing an industry that I think is 
even more clearly uh, broken than mm -hmm. I ever thought and many consumers thought 12 years ago. Thank you to this week's guest and thank you for listening. If you missed any of the key points and highlights from my conversation, we've got you covered over at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash podcast for show notes to each and every episode. And while you are there, check out Flynn Wealth Strategies and Insurance Solutions. You can do that by visiting flynnwealthstrategies.com. The Lot Marketing Group and the Podcast Masters. We could not do this show without them and with all of their support. Now, until next time, go make an impact.